Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, let's talk celebrations. Yes, those are fun. Someone had a birthday recently. I don't know who. I did, and that was fun, and we had a nice little lunch yesterday, so thanks for that, Tony. That was super fun. Of course. It was fun to sit in the room up, uh, we were upstairs in one of our private dining rooms, and out in the country, and it sure was pretty. Yeah, it was with, a the, nice with, the, with a whole bunch of the celebration. chefs. And... Yeah, that was fun. That was very, very nice to see the chefs, and we all got to hang out, which is something we never get to do. So it it, it made me start thinking about, so mm-hmm. everyone's been doing their summer things, Yes. Well, once we're all like, everyone's back from their vacation, and there's and they're starting to think about what's next, and it's you know so and so's birthday, and it's this, um, you know so and so graduates from this, and it's this holiday coming, and it's that, so it's time to start like getting ready for various celebrations. So, right. What 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 do you think makes a celebration? Food and wine-wise, what? Because um, yeah, obviously you need the company that you need, mm-hmm. and you need the occasion that you have. Well, one of my favorite parts about a celebration, especially if it's in my home, is that I get to bring out all my beautiful things. You know, things that you don't use every day, especially if you have family or young children. Things you don't want to get broken or, you know, beat up somehow. So, <clears throat> you know, I I love you know I it's it's often a lot of work, but to me it's gratifying work. I like polishing my silver. I like making sure the crystal is pretty and clean and right and doesn't smell like the cabinet which I learned from you when it comes to wine service Um, and yeah and you know just bringing out those things ironing the tablecloth um, you know making sure everything's nice and clean in the house and and perfect and lighting is going to be set music's going to be thought through and you know when you have everything all beautiful and polished and all the silver and the crystal and everything out can I bring my sick my my daughter who's going to turn six for her birthday party with her friends over? Absolutely not. No. Mm-mm. So yeah. different occasions require different <laughs> <Exactly>. preparation. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because like my 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 older daughter, you know, she would she'd be good. Mm-hmm. She might be reading upside down somewhere, but well, she that's but fine with me. But she would be in order. So you got to think about your audience too. <laughs> of course, sure. and your preparation. But yeah, that's. I was going to say, in, in a little bit different way, I was thinking the same thing. It's about treats. Mm-hmm. It's about it's a treat to have someone lay out all of these beautiful things. It's a treat to have a lot of silly decorations for the sixth birthday party. Sure. It's fun. It's a treat to have special sweets. We always think of that. That's like first thing that comes to mind, all right? Well, right. Because Trick we, or treat. Yeah. You know? Oh, sure. Well, and also when you say sweets, do pastry. I mean, oftentimes, you know, if... If I'm eating dinner, I'm not at home. I'm not. I'm never having a pastry. Pr- probably, I just don't do that for myself. But but, if but I will make people, pastry. You expect, with, yeah. sure, sure. You and expect, that's fun. and it should be something that they can they can see, they can anticipate. It's you know, mm-hmm. it should be your fourteenth attempt to get your macaron correct or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, or a pretty cake mm-hmm. on the counter or pie or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they can see it when they come in. It's fine for it to be out at room temperature. Oh. Probably even better when it's chocolate, so it's not too cold. But then. In regards to like, what do you do? So how about I give you a situation mm-hmm. and you come up with what it is you're going you're gonna to cook for the situation. Okay. How about that? So let's say I'll be nice with this one. This is like a weird chef's challenge. No, well, it, is, <laughs> it is kind of a weird chef's challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm full of weird challenges. You know this. Let's say that you have um, – Friends coming from overseas, and you want to—I love that—show off for them. Okay, and you want to entertain them. 
and you want it to feel like they're here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? But you also know that they're probably jet lagged, and you've got a pretty good sized group coming over of friends, and but the, but you're celebrating the arrival of these friends. Like to me, that's like the, that's the best occasion. So I'll give you the best one first. Okay. Well, I think it's you know particularly you, that's a very specific situation where people might be tired. Um, so you know I think that you should have cold things out right away for them. So they just got out of an airplane. They're tired. They're they're they need to relax and they need something to eat because they probably just either didn't eat on the airplane or had horrible airplane food. So you know some you know and if they're coming from another country, I'd like to show off our American ham because you know of course Italian ham and Spanish hams are just some of the best things in the whole world. But we produce some very beautiful hams here too as well. So it would be nice to have thin slices of a of a cured ham, a, a smoked country ham. Um, you know maybe a whole display of different American cured meats. And then, you know, I, I'm not fond of having cheese out. I really like to have cheese after dinner. But you could have a couple of easy pieces, you know, like maybe a piece of goat cheese or something that, you yeah. know, can... If you can have cheese out in the beginning, yeah. It's like... Something soft, simple, fresh, mild. Simple fresh cheese mm-hmm. or hard cheeses that are, like, easy out of the gate. When you... Right. A lot of times you think about cheese as part of antipasti, and that's... Usually that's like a hard cheese, like a, a real provolone or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a young pecorino, pecorino. Or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Something that's easy, just like a little solid, well, and also, something. And just a little tip. I find, <laughs> and even with my family, because I often bring cheese because that's one of my favorite things that I buy, uh, you know, in, in the kitchen where I work. We have a, uh, for the dining room, we do a tableside cheese presentation. And I love cheese so, so much. And so I will often bring cheese to my, when I visit my family because they don't have access to the pieces that I do. And I even with them, as much as they love cheese and will just gobble up cheese, um, I find that if I don't cut it for them, they won't eat it as much and they won't Agreed. eat it the as di- well. The display yeah. is nowhere near as attractive as yeah. having this like magnificent piece that, you know, looks like it was just carved from the fresh wheel or whatever. Right. But... Yeah, I found that just doing a, just doing a million parties in restaurants. Yes, if you don't cut it, then it's just not going to. It's too hard. It's exactly the party. It's it's fun. You you hit on another thing that's important. I think treats are important, and I think the easy button yes. is, is important. Well, for and people. the other thing is, I'll watch them cut it incorrectly, and I'm standing there cringing, trying not to say something. Oh come on, you know you say something. No, I don't. So you know, hey. it's <laughs> hey, chef says not to do that, Joni. Put that um, knife down. Yeah, but that's that's you know have that out and maybe some fresh fruit, which is obviously good and healthy. And again, I'd have it cut for them. What like right now we're getting these gorgeous plums that you're bringing us, and they're just one of the most delicious things in the world. Elephant heart plums. Elephant heart plums. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so good. And you know just oh, uh, Very and honestly, sweet tart. yeah. And you know they could easily pop that in their mouth, but it is a bit of a mess. So I think it's just easier to peel them and have those out for them. And you well, might have a few whole ones on the table too. Just you know one, it looks good, and two, maybe some of them are brave enough to just pick it up or slices of peaches or melon. We're getting gorgeous melon right now. But I would move right into a a cold first course after that. Um, Right now, especially since we're in tomato season and, you know, I know it's going to come to an end soon, but celebrating tomatoes and, um, you know, something very simple, fresh basil, extra virgin olive oil, little greens from your garden if you have it. I was going to throw in there with all times easy and you can find this pretty simply. The salami calabrese. Oh, yeah. And a little spicy salami. Mm-hmm. 
if if you can catch peaches while they're still in season. So good together. So nice together. The little spice, right. the, that little musky sweet. Mm-hmm. That's a happy little bit of business. You can lay those guys out on a platter and yeah, so just a, a couple of pieces of that business on a plate and some young pecorino and a piece of bread and a meaningful glass of wine and a good nap. There you go. Yeah. Get off so the airplane. and Maybe they do that. Yeah. Well, okay. So now we're doing that first and then they're taking a break. Then you come back and you make a nice, you know, tomato salad. And, um, you know, and, and I would have a soup after that. I think it would be, you know, we always think of soup as first. But I think it's nice to kind of get things going. Maybe we have a rosé or something. What would you have with a tomato salad? Something bright and fresh. It d- d- depends, but maybe a, a lot of rosé can certainly work. Yeah. Champagne's a little tricky with tomatoes in general. If it's a t- tomato dominant, it's because of the acidity. Okay. The nature of the acidity of a tomato, think about it, is very different texturally in your mouth mm-hmm. than champagne is. Yeah. You know, it's very all-encompassing, the tomato's acidity. And champagne is... Is clean, light, has a lift, and very long and focused, and and they, they each one makes the other one seem sort of extreme. They, it's it's like playing country line, it's doing country line dance to ballet. It's just not Got it. All right. Okay, it, it doesn't go together. Well, the, the you know, and talking about champagne, and we were just talking about cheese. So Peter and I were at the bar the night before my birthday um, after work at at the restaurant just I'm like you know what I just want to have I started serving veal flank steak which by the way is absolutely delicious and unbelievably surprisingly tender and I had just had that and I'm like you know what I really want a piece of the um Brebby Roost Argental which is one of my absolute favorite cheeses and I cut all this cheese for he and I and I, I, I told you yesterday I think we had about a pound of cheese between the two of us but I was trying to I I, I don't I haven't I haven't been drinking very much for a period of time and I, I'm like you know what I really want a glass of champagne and man, some of those cheeses were awful with that champagne. I mean, just awful. Well, it's sheep's milk cheese and Prebis. It, any French cheese that's called Prebis, B-R-E-B-I-S, is a sheep's milk cheese. And that the texture of that fat is very different in a lot of ways mm-hmm. from goat's milk. And goat's milk has a different acidity. Very. You know, that you're interacting with salt, acid, fat, and that wine. And, so, and there are certain things... Cow's milk cheeses will do better with champagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blooming Rhine cow's milk cheeses will do better with champagne. So you do want to think about w- what it is you're serving. If you want to serve champagne, then it's different things. If Now, that rosé you're talking about, very easy to do light, charming, bright rosé. Uh, h- here's a tip. If you actually want to be, like, excited and thrilled with, like, bright rosé, mm-hmm. uh, there's a producer in, in Italy in the Alto Adige, uh, called Elena Valk, W-A-L-C-H. Uh, their rosé bottling this year, which is new for them, um, super light, zesty, intense. That's fun. We'll handle those tomatoes. We'll handle um, that those cheese milk cheeses and things like that that you're, okay. you know, the olives that you put out, the salami that you put out. Well, I'm kind of on a tangent then for your rosé that you're talking about because getting back to this meal, I want to make bouillabaisse because I just made some oh, two nights ago, right? Yeah. And it's traditional to that region where bouillabaisse is from, and oh my god, to Provence. So um, I'm, you know, this is a great dish for a group because you can make this big batch of the bouillabaisse and have this incredible, um, you know, situation going, and you're just heating up some seafood right at the end. You've got your your baguette toast, you know, already grilled off or toasted in the oven or whatever, however you want to make it, uh, you know, crispy. 
you've you've already made your Rui, which is a, a mayonnaise that has a little bit of the bouillabaisse in it, which is oh my gosh, it's so good. Well, it's it's, always, there's always some roasted red pepper in that, mm-hmm. and it's basically aioli with roasted red pepper and a little bit of the essence from the well, bouillabaisse. I, no, I I I have been perusing this this uh, cookbook by Richard Olney. It's called Lulu's Provençal Kitchen, and it is quickly becoming one of my favorite reads. Um, Richard Olney is such an incredible writer, food writer. And this lady um, has, you know, tremendous cooking history. And he worked with her to to basically put her recipes down on paper, which of course had never been done. She never wrote anything down. And she put her some of her bouillabaisse, strained bouillabaisse into her mayonnaise instead of adding red peppers. And also a little bit of um, ground breadcrumb. And it was, I, that's how I made it. So I made a traditional aioli, Aioli is, a, is, a, is an easy, happy thing to make. So you poach the garlic first? In this case, I didn't. You know, I didn't do it. There you, know, you go. It's, there you go. Yeah, it's it's raw garlic. Rough and ready. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And and I made it in the Vita prep, so it was really, you know, beautiful and smooth. I barely had to chop the garlic to make it. So it, I did, you know, aioli is garlic and olive oil. A lot of, I know in America, there's a lot of menus that will call something aioli and it's not what it is. So, you know, it's traditionally made, um, I added a little bit of lemon and lime juice uh, to my egg and then obviously the garlic and then pureed in uh, the, or, you know, brought in, slowly drizzled in the extra virgin olive oil. And then I finished it with some of the strained bouillabaisse sauce and a little bit of breadcrumb. Oh my God. And I was going to put basil in, but I'm really glad I didn't because it was so beautiful. I, I just loved it. And I love that finely ground breadcrumb in there. When you think about it, that anise is one of the leading flavors of bouillabaisse. Yeah. Basil and anise. Yeah, not no, not friendly. No. Right. Yeah. Like if, if you're going to put a little bit of, you know, like savory that you'd poached or something like that would work, mm-hmm. you know? Well, in her recipe, she, they were talking about wild fennel, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish we had wild fennel in this country because I would love to have used that, but instead I used perno. Right at the end, and it just brightened it up so much. I was just so excited when I added that perno to finish so, the bouillabaisse. Let me have a very straightforward bouillabaisse recipe that people can sure. follow, think about. So I, I just, I made my version it is traditionally made. Um, it was traditionally made by fishermen. Um, they would have catch that they knew they couldn't sell, um, and or they might be out for a week at a time. As one of our waiters, who's from Greece, his dad used to make bouillabaisse and or a, ver- a Greek version of it, and um, he talked about how his dad would be out at a you know for a week, and you know these guys needed to eat, and they didn't have access to kitchens. So you know it was sort of in between. We're out. We need to feed ourselves, or we just on. came back. Yeah. yeah. So it's a wood fire on the beach, which I, I just that is like the romantic, most romantic thing I could think of. I just love the idea of that. And then you know they would use all this fish, so it was always a fish, a fish broth basically. And you know they might use eel. They would use all these these. Um, you know, off pieces. And and it obviously had t- tomato. It definitely had the wild fennel, um, lots of onions. And, you know, typically would some people would add carrots, some people wouldn't. You know, everybody kind of has their thing. And, of course, you know, just water to make uh, the fish stock. And then traditionally would then um, have the rui and, and some sort of bread, hopefully, if they had it available to them. So I made a slightly different version because I wanted it to be a little bit more elegant. And um, so I used lobster stock, which is, you know, absolutely not traditional, but man, was this seriously good. No, in a perfect world, you can find uh, scarfano or scorpion fish, and it's a super bony fish that gives you unbelievable stock. Oh, so good. It doesn't remotely taste like lobster stock. 
but oh my gosh, it has a great, clean, robust flavor. Right. I would love to make it with traditional fish one day. No, once in a, once in a while, I've been able to get this stuff over the years. Yeah. Okay. So it, I do a lot of onions. It should. I put shallot in. Um, obviously, a couple heads of garlic, and sautéed that all very gently. I'm always very careful when I work with garlic to not let it brown and let it cook gently and be the best it can be. And then I added the lobster stock and um, let it cook down. And just a little bit of uh, red wine as well. Um, and I don't know if that's traditional or not, but I felt it was extremely important to put it in there. Actually, I steeped my saffron in the red wine. So saffron is also a very important ingredient. I would think that you could use white, rosé, red. Okay. Yeah, anything. And so uh, this the broth just turned out so well. And I also I bought a, a box of head on shrimp. And I just basically chopped them up, the head, the all the shell, all the meat, and threw that in. And that really, those head-on shrimp really they introduced. They have so much flavor. Mm-hmm. So that really brought that stock to where I was re- very excited about it. And then I strained it. And then I added back, oh, and um, I'm sorry, hand-chopped tomato. How, how can I not say that? So I put four or five, I had huge, like five huge heirloom tomatoes. And because I knew I was going to strain it, I didn't worry about the skin. And so I added that as well. And I actually, uh, okay, so that's the broth. And once it's done, it cooked maybe about an hour and 15 minutes. I strained it. And then I needed to add all fresh garnish back to it. So now I peeled my tomatoes. I did keep the seeds, though, um, because she specifically, Lulu talks about specifically how she actually doesn't want the skin in her her bouillabaisse, but she likes the crunch of the seeds. I thought that was just sort of endearing. And so that's the way I did it. And um, chopped the tomato. I toss it in a little bit of extra virgin olive oil and uh, chopped garlic, raw garlic and saffron and a little bit of lime juice. And I added a touch of Tabasco, which to me was my red pepper in this dish. So I used it in the form of Tabasco. And... um, so the tomato, uh, sauteed off a whole bunch of new onion, shallot, and, a, and another head of garlic, and added that to it. And um, then finished it with the perno, a little salt, a little pepper, um, really. Oh, a cayenne pepper. She specifically uses a, a hot red pepper in hers as well, so I added that. And just super pleased with it. And then, as I said, I made the mayonnaise by adding a little bit of that strained uh, bouillabaisse to it. Fish, no fish. So on pickup, we put the bouillabaisse on in a pot. I added two shrimp, obviously took all the shell off, the tail, all the shell, but left yeah. the head on. And uh, I, I couldn't, I was going to do grouper, but my purveyor didn't have any. And so I used our halibut. And I noticed in the book that it mentioned, Richard only was talking about, you know, you could use halibut. And I'm like, well, I have that. And it's really fresh and gorgeous. So we just put a piece of, like a th- mm-hmm. three ounce piece of halibut straight in that broth halibut. with those shrimp. Halibut is not Ooh. unlike cod. So, I mean, that's mm. that's something you would see a lot of times. And then we butter poached uh, lobster on the side and garnished the dish with that and had the toast, uh, the warm toast with the rui on it and also gave a side of rui if, when we had enough. And um, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And, and that's not the traditional way to serve it either. You know, you know it would have been a platter of fish. Yeah. Platter of fish and the soup and and the the, the bread with the rui. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so that's, well, so there's your menu. There's all the various antipasti. There's a tomato mm-hmm. salad, and there's all the the two stages of bouillabaisse and, uh, and yeah. the bread. Fun. And I hope you made pastry. I did. When we come back on Formidable Phone Food and Wine, it's a few more adventures and entertaining for celebrations on WIPR.
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking celebrations, all those like all of those things that we know are coming up now. Yeah, it's so exciting. You know, not just holidays. I mean, it's the birthday, mm-hmm. it's the graduation, it's the special visitors, it's the, you know, the the, the brunch after X event on Saturday night. That you know, all that yeah. kind of business. Yeah. Lots of fun things that people can be doing now. In the first segment, I I'd given you a situation where you're entertaining people coming from out of town. Right. So, and you had alluded to a birthday party. So what yours, your situation is a, a child's birthday party. How would you handle that? A very memorable birthday party. Uh, I, I can tell you what, what I did. Um, and I think it was pretty successful, but hmm. when uh, my oldest daughter was turning one, you know, first birthday in a lot of places, a lot of cultures, are, it, it's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so surprise, there are 50 people coming to my house. Well, <laughs> and and a couple That's of a them hmm. have significant dietary restrictions. Hmm. So we we're just talking about all kinds of like it's fun to do this and this this salami <laughs> right. and all this kind of business. <laughs> Only so if people got, eat everything. I've got uh, pescatarians, vegetarians, vegan, uh, lactose intolerance, you know, dairy intolerance. Wow, all coming. And I got to do food for fifty. It was like, oh, and frankly, they they know it's me, so they're probably going to expect it to be really good. And I'm right. thinking, <laughs> I'm going to have to work in a little bit different discipline <laughs> on this one. Um, I'm I was glad I had all the experience working with Spanish rice. Oh right, you know okay. the, the 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 arroz la bomba mm-hmm. uh, that I know you like to use. That Very short much. grain rice from yeah. Spain from Calasparra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had. One of the giant, oh good, you know, pans. yeah, a rosaria, yeah, mm-hmm. the, one of those mm-hmm. guys. The, well, that's the, good for the, fifty people. The size that they say is good for sixty-four <laughs> is a little big. That's uh, a huge pan. Well, you I have, have to have a big. Stove I have a for commercial that. six burner. Yeah, thank God in the for house, that. and it fits very nicely on that. The handle sticking good. off on the sides, so just to give you an idea. I mean, that's it. It's with, without the handles, it's almost forty inches wide. Mm-hmm. Right, so, but the nice thing is you can get all the burners on, you know, at at the, the same levels. You're kind of dancing around on the knobs and mm-hmm. all that sort of business. And and the way I learned to make it, and one I had to figure out like, so how can I do this where it's, you know, vegan? Yeah, wow. No dairy, all this kind of business. Well, I mean, that's honestly well, why, no dairy what, is go, going, perfect. Going to Spain, I mean, that's why I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll just go to Spain. That's mm-hmm. I know, you know exactly. And uh, and it was autumn. It was <laughs> early November. Mm-hmm. So uh, so what's in season? No pumpkins. Yeah, pumpkins. Yes, pumpkins. Uh, the last chilies. Oh, nice. Are in season. Mm-hmm. Mushrooms. Good mushrooms are in season. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'd gotten beautiful hen of the woods mushrooms, and uh, and some hedgehogs too. Oh, good. And. Local pumpkin. Uh, what when you when you go to the market, you see all these different kinds of pumpkins. The fairy tale pumpkins, the ones that have like the big striations on them, they kind of look like cartoon pumpkins, and that are different colors. They can be kind of like a, a, a deep tan or taupe kind of color. A lot of times, those are good. Uh, if you can find a rouge pumpkin, which looks they're the best. Those are the best. Yeah, those are the best. They 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 literally are like an orange red. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, very round and usually pretty good size. Did you roast it? 
I did roast it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I roasted that uh, with, I had no nut allergies. So I roasted that with walnuts and garlic. Okay. And uh, and a lot of good olive oil, and and some some green olives, <laughs> right? So I roasted that the day before. Let that rest, sit in the oil, then cut all that business up, right? Yeah. All of that liquid that that came from that, a lot of that I used in place of water to begin to make the stock. That's nice. And I used some of the hedgehogs to make the stock. Mm-hmm. So it was it. it you know, it's all it's all working on the same mm-hmm. same things. Once a, once a stock, and the stock was made the day ahead, mm-hmm. so those are kind of an easy. You know, like you do the one in the morning, you do the other at night, because the other thing is, I know I'm going to get yelled at if I'm not like being nice and entertaining people and talking to people, right? <laughs> when all I want to be doing is cooking and making, you know, well, especially making for whatever. fifty people. So I've got to figure out strategically how to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to set out all kinds of nibbles, and boy, there better be a lot of vegetables. So, <laughs> you know, the last eggplant of the season. You know, making nice caponata and having that out. Mm. Oh, oh, did I say gluten free? Yes, that's uh, gluten free also. Okay. So I, I I had to have crostini that were out, but also had to have a particular kind of like rice cracker or something out. Um, and there and lots of olives and and. All kinds of like apple salads and 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 all that sort of business. Uh, remember the manchego manzana mm-hmm. with the dates and all that, That's all that business salad. and the mint and the, the good oil. That manzana is apple in Spanish, and the Granny Smiths are in season at that time. So, one of those out with the manchego, one of those out without the manchego, which is still quite good. Mm-hmm. Just put some you know, light grapes in the one without the manchego. And, so um, you didn't put any meat in the... No. You didn't? No, no, no. All right. No. I had to get the flavor out of the mushrooms. I had to get that deep note, that base note from the mushrooms. You know, and hedgehogs and Hen, Hen of the Woods has good perfume all the way through. Mm-hmm. Hedgehogs have that, like, baritone... I love the idea of the pumpkin tone, in ...tone, you know? Yeah. And the, the chilies are going to get your attention. <laughs> you know? So Sounds good. Yeah, and and not not like habaneros or something, but so if you could have served meat, like arbol chilies, what would you have put with that? I know what I would have. Oh, goodness! I mean, there is a, a salchiche that they make from uh, Iberico. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also lardo mm. from Iberico. Oh my Honestly, gosh, that would be would, so good. I, I, so when starting the rice itself, you know, you, you have to have the stock ready to go, and you have to have it hot, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I had to bring it to a boil and then just set it on the side and keep it warm because there's nowhere to keep it at temp all the way. And you toast that rice. And the question is, what are you going to flavor the rice with when you toast it? So garlic in the pan, shallots in the pan, fresh rosemary in the pan. Mm-hmm. They are both chilies go in the pan. And then once that is all, once it's flavored the oil nicely, yeah, and you're just using a neutral oil, then you add your rice. You add all of your rice. And you get it all coated with that, that oil and just get a little toast, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't need too much heat for that. You need just enough to you, – you, you start lower and you come up a little higher as you start well, to You're also liquid. manipulating a huge pan. So it's yeah. – I mean, you almost, well, need, you almost need four hands for that. The, the beautiful thing is you can spin it. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, and I mean, honestly, that that was the that was the, the that was the surprise fun. Pen. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know, 
The whole thing is fun. I love the idea so, of having a huge batch of rice like but that. But well, the, the reality is, what what's the traditional way to eat that? Right. So that and anyway, I'll, I'll come back to that. So, so once once the rice is toasted, it's not browned. You know, it's just no, like a very yeah, yeah. like you can smell it. It's like just a tiny bit nuttier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you can smell like the garlic and you want to be on low heat there, when the rosemary is there right and pretty low heat yes um, oh and then I also always usually throw uh, a, a couple of half lemons in there just in the very beginning the, in, the entire half lemons mm-hmm. and take the seeds out and and uh, toss them in there I want a little bit of the oil and all that sort of business with the rice as it toasts and now you're gonna add the liquid yeah okay and then once and and then you add the liquid like ladle by ladle and and it, it keeps going into it's crazy the volume that rice it's usually what about three times the yes. volume of the rice mm-hmm. uh, liquid it, it will take in liquid three so to one yes you have that 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 mushroom pumpkin you know stock mm-hmm. going Delicious. into that but yeah arroz like that there, there's no there's no cheese it's, you know that all the things I could have gotten in trouble for. I'm not in trouble yeah, that's for that's a perfect dish. And as, as, as it begins to cook, like once the rice really starts to cook, then you pull those lemons out of there. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the things you flavor the rice with initially, eventually you just pull them. Like the rosemary, after a while, it's going to get tired. You right. just pull it out of there. Right. Maybe you know. a dried pepper. The hard-pulled chilies I leave in there. You do? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, you, because when you serve it, you know, honestly, you just turn the range off. Well, that's it. And, you have and, to serve when a, it's ready. And you, and you have a stack of plates. Yeah. And you say, you know. Let's eat. Arroz is ready. Come on You guys over. been snacking on everything else. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fine. You know, been snacking on everything else and, and, and drinking like simple Crianza Rioja with it, which is very food flexible and very, and does well with all kinds of strange vegetables or all strong flavor vegetables, artichokes or, you know, whatever it might be that you're doing or pickled things. Still does well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like Muga is a good producer of, of a consistent mm-hmm. you know, Rioja Crianza. And then, uh, yeah, people just come and, you, and they, get their, they get their plate. <laughs> I love it. You know? Well, and if it was a traditional paella, it would have had, you know, so much garnish on top of it. Uh, and it, for that one, all I did was tomato skins. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just fried tomato skins. That's fun. I love that. As I a love, garnish. Love you know? that. Yep. Those are, mm-hmm. you know, when you peel all those romas, you have a lot of tomato skins. You have a lot of tomato skins. And they're skins, so but. good when they're fried. You just fry yeah. them in corn oil. Did you fry yeah. them? Yeah, and yeah. a little, and then just a little salt and yeah, just a, just a little, you know, yeah. tabletop fryer. Delicious. And, yeah, yeah, you don't want any of the pulp. You don't want any of the tomato meat. You no. want literally no. just the skin. Just the skin. Yeah, so well, good. When you take the skins, like do something with them, and that mm-hmm. that's a delicious something to do. Yeah, with it's them. a surprising so, little treat. Anyway, but that I was glad for that. That was successful. That's and, amazing. That sounds great. And all the. The treats were, you know, my wife is an accomplished baker. She made all kinds of fun things, especially Hawaiian things, which she grew up. That's great. Well, Sydney, I wanted you thinking about this. When we come back, because we're going to have to take a break, when we come back, you need to be ready to go with hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres canapes. My favorite. Yes, I know. (laughs) But people love them. Yeah, they are fun. People love to mingle and talk. And sip this and talk to so-and-so and sure. have this fabulous mocktail or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, that, but people love to do that stuff. And that means you, you need something that's one or two bites. Yes. So I hope you're Easy. ready. Okay. I hope you're ready for class ready. when you come back. 
on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, we're, we're working our way through a variety of different kinds of celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a block, don't you? But the next thing we're going to talk about, <laughs> and we teased it at the end of the last segment, you have a block on this next thing. Yeah, it's and it's funny because every day I serve an amuse-bouche, uh, hors d'oeuvre, whatever in the world you want to call it. Yeah. Amuse-bouche um, is a great term. Amuse your mouth. Amuse it. Make it <laughs> smile. I have a couple of favorites that we fall back on. I mean, to me, one of the best hors d'oeuvres in the world is gougere when they're executed beautifully. Um, oh. And they're inexpensive. You know, if you're going to make a whole bunch at your house, it's not going to cost you, quite when, frankly. When my grandmother had parties, the number of pigs in blankets that oh. I could consume when this, I was about seven. Yeah. I, I'm shocked that I just not turn into like the Michelin <laughs> man with all the sodium intake. It's amazing. You know, I don't even know what that is. Is it, what's what's wrapped around the hot dog? Pastry. Oh, all right. What else could you possibly want? <laughs> I don't know. Well, she used to make an exotic sauce for it. Oh, that you could dip I it into. I just can imagine what that might be. What was it, Tony? It would have been <laughs> Golden's mustard and oh, Heinz ketchup. There you go. I was going to say, was Mixed it together, 50-50, <laughs> with a sprinkle of Dr. Pepper. No way. Way. Oh, way. Hey. Awful. You, come on. You know it was in the magazines in those days. Yeah, I'm sure. There's some really scary uh, ni- stuff. Ni- 1971 guideline to entertaining. Yeah, good housekeeping, McCall's. Yeah, exactly. Yep, my mother had them all on the coffee table. Um, Hey, they helped. Tuna helped. salad I'm stuffed sure. into a cherry tomato. <laughs> Not joking. Oh, tomato aspic. But that was a course. That's not an hors d'oeuvre, right? That's a course. That's that was, a first that course. That was one yeah. of your grandmother's You're favorites. waiting on the tomato. table and they wanted to sit down. <laughs> on yeah. the table. Tomato aspect. Already with, with. on the table. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, back in the day. I can see green jello, too, somehow with something in it, like strips of carrots or something. Wiggly and horrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's come up with some now, now I'm trying to get modern you past, healthy things. I'm trying to get you past <laughs> that. Well, let's, let, let's couch the healthy oh. a little bit because uh, remember, treats. <sighs> Yeah, but I think ceviche makes a great hors d'oeuvre. Now, that's not something you think of as an hors d'oeuvre. It will require a utensil, which is not always exactly, which is not always the easiest thing. But if you have cute little bowls, you can make a shrimp ceviche, you can make a fish ceviche, super bright, fresh. You know, just wakes you up the moment you taste it. We used to get these little spicy. Oh yeah, these little like oh yeah yeah yeah. like small deep spoons that actually sit on a platter. Mm And have a little curve to the the back end of those them. Those are fun. So you can just pick it up and boop. Yeah, and that's easy it's, for it's guests. It's basically a ceviche shot. Right. You just need a, a a place for them to put those things when you know you you need a disposal table basically. And I think that's another thing to think about when you have a party because it can get especially if you don't have a bunch of servers running around, you know, or someone really helping you in that way. What what are people supposed to do with all their stuff? And you know, maybe think about that and have an, a place where people can drop things or a trash can that you know maybe is is attractive and, you know, can just make it easy for folks to deal with what they've got in their hands when they want to get rid of it. Welcome to my home. This is my, my trash, trash can. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, ceviche is a great uh, little hors d'oeuvre. Any kind of soup and an espresso cup is super easy. Yes, they're going to have to get rid of that too. That's my fallback. Uh, you know that. I know that. You know that. That's my favorite. I knew that. 
And You're going to say Gougeres now. I already said Gougeres. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, See, I, I, I grew up making so many hors d'oeuvres. Well, that's why you like them. One, yes, creative ones. But I like them because they're – I do like making them. Yes, you do. It's it, like your favorite I, thing in the, the whole world. Silly canapes. Of food. Well, I love sandwiches. Right? Yes. See, that's, so, I mean, that's the thing the is, problem. Like you build all of these very cute sandwiches. Like I'm not eating anything. This is just smoked salmon and creme fraiche and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a little like pickled red onion and – Oh, that's this a marvelous little toast, and yeah, or maybe on a little it brioche. A, it has mm-hmm. a spear in it with a tiny little piece of you know pickled pepper or something. I'm like, well, you like those? I'm going to destroy that. You, you like know? those things we used to do at the restaurant um, on the sticks? What are those called? You know, pinchos are great. Pinchos. That's like one of your favorite. Oh, if you have a orders. grill, that's yeah. the well, they're best easy thing. and they're easy for people to deal with. Yeah, the the Italians well so call them speedini or arrosticeria. Okay. Uh, when you is arrosticeria is when you just put a little bit of meat. This is up your alley. A little bit of like just like nice lamb or nice beef on on a the end of a of a spear. Okay. You know, little mm-hmm. tiny guy. Mm-hmm. You've had it marinated for a little bit. Maybe it's like Calabrian chili marinade, something like that. And you grill it, just grill it rare. But but it's like forty five seconds, you know. Yeah. And the, all those spears go gathered. Like it looks like a little forest. Mm-hmm. You know, shot all the lumber gathered on this platter, <laughs> right? And in the center, you have just a, and you just drizzle with a spoon. Just make like an herb oil or, or yeah. you know, some kind of pesto or something. Uh, lamb with with a, a mint pesto is the easiest thing ever, mm-hmm. and just drizzle that over and pass them and boom, boom, boom. You know, mm-hmm. those are happy, easy. Uh, Not quite as refined as the the little silly canapes. That I'd love to make, and oh my god, I made so many of them. Like 1982, mm-hmm. we'd have to pipe everything onto it. Right. Well, and, you know, I just don't think they should get too fussy or overworked. That's that's the problem with food from the 50s, 60s, 70s. A lot of things were so, it was so important that how it looked that I think they lost sight of that the, it needs to taste the, great. The guys that we're cooking with were like European immigrants who, you know, started working in the states in the 50s. So mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. they knew, they knew from like the ocean liners and. The old school French kitchen. So, I mean, the number of tiny fluted mushrooms that went on to, <laughs> right, you know, b- th- to garnish whatever little, you know, bit of foie gras tureen or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think another another good. Well, you know, we always love bruschetta, and that's just an outlet for absolutely everything. You know, whether it is mushrooms, grilled mushrooms, or, or uh, you know, in the form of say pen con tomate. You know, where you're just literally rubbing the the toast with a little garlic and extra pen, virgin. Pen con tomate is one of that's the all time, mm. all time easy. Yeah, you just you have whatever the it needs to be crusty bread. It could be baguette, but it it needs to be some sort of crusty bread, mm-hmm. not too big. You know, sort of. I don't know, bias cut slices and little brush of olive oil, grill it, and th- just chop tomato mm-hmm. very simply. Yeah. You don't have to worry about seeds and skins and all that kind of business. Just, yep. just chop tomato. It is much nicer to have that tomato chopped with some extra virgin olive oil right. and, and seasoned mm-hmm. all ready to go. Let it sit for a couple of minutes. Right. That's simple. You know, yeah, and the extra virgin is important. And that, I mean, the, the old school way is, is you rub that bread with a piece of garlic. Mm-hmm. 
and then serve as it with as soon as as soon as it comes off the grill. Hamoni barico or and then you lay the serrano. tomato. On there. Yeah, and then if you have beautiful thin slices of the hamon, you know, on the plate, that's really nice too. People can easily eat that, lift it off the plate, and or even put it on their pan con tomate. Yeah, I love that. What else do you like to do? Four d'oeuvres. Four d'oeuvres. No, mm-hmm. I was asking you. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> oh, I I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, look, it, it's 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 minis. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like what is a combination of food that you that to me. What are things that you love together, and how do you get that? How can you get that in a bite? It's, it can be as simple as those uh, little pommiers that that I like to make. Mm-hmm. You know, make olive tapenade, um, and just roll in, you know, roll in puff pastry, mm-hmm. and just cut little pieces. That's so good. Bake those guys, mm-hmm. and then it can be aioli. You know, the the first one I had learned had a little bit of truffle in it. So it was garlic and truffle on these like I'll, like it was an that is a great red wine hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you you can do other kinds of other kinds of neo olives are really good for that. Yeah, in particular, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. I like a, a the rich big flavor, rich cured, big yeah. flavor. Yeah, exactly. Super good in there. Well, you can do anything that way. You know, again, it could be you could roll chopped up shrimp and you know something exactly. in there. You can that puff pastry is. You know, you can buy it. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you don't have to make your own puff pastry. Honestly, f- frying vegetables. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and you, we there are a million episodes of Farmer Wolf on Food and Wine with Cindy's <laughs> beignet batter. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, which is super <laughs> light, like a tempura batter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so many vegetables that do nicely in this in this sort of thing, and that can make that that are cute to set up and pass. It could be if fine big bell peppers, they fry up really beautifully. You can dip them in stuff or not. You know, zucchini flowers. Yeah, I was just going to say squash blossoms make great hors d'oeuvres. They're a little big. You can cut them. You know, just fry and cut and make it a little bit more manageable. Honestly, mushrooms. Yeah, stuffed mushrooms are great hors d'oeuvre. But but also, I mean, honestly, just like slices of portobello mushroom Mm -hmm. beignet. Yeah, that would be fun. Oh, beignet. Beignet. Mushroom beignet. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds good. They can be really good. Um, apples, are, like Granny Smith apples are good that way, mm-hmm. which is kind of wild. Okay. Give you an excuse to put a tiny little, a little bit of cinnamon or something in the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the batter. Um, that's, that's not surprisingly great for champagne. Um, but all kinds of vegetables. I mean, artichokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, asparagus does well that way. I mean, just, you know, you Vidalia onions. You know, I mean, this super fancy onion rings is not going to. I know that you, you went to a place that they presented them when they were basically like on a big dowel. Oh, yes. Coming to the table. Oh, that's so How good. How fun would it be to pass a platter <laughs> that had a big dowel full of right. Vidalia onion rings? Mm-hmm. Very fun. <laughs> you know, just like super light beignet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put jalapeno in that mixture. And man, those things are good. Oof, yeah. Well, and the other thing, we live in the land of seafood. Oysters on the half shell are great hors d'oeuvre, and you can do a lot of different things, a little cucumber, you know, vinegar or something, champagne vinegar mixture on top, or just give them, you know, fresh lemon and maybe make your own cocktail sauce, which can be a lot of fun. I used to make one at our first restaurant where I put bourbon in there, and that was, you know, with fresh horseradish and fresh lemon and ketchup, and um, that little bit of bourbon was really fun. When I was a kid, all time, all time, like, like, how do you become my friend? Offered me fried clams 
really good fried clams. Oh, I'll never forget. There were a bunch of seafood mm. restaurants mm-hmm. here in the city mm-hmm. that my dad would take me to. Honestly, some of Well, you and the, some, I went and had them at Lexington Market with Dan Rodericks that time. Yeah, yeah. That was an amazing yeah. experience. I'd never had that before. The, 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 those were so good. Ooh, that would be a great hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, those those are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Used to, I don't know, done done those on menus before with with uh, the clams and 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 lemons, like sliced really really thin, mm-hmm. fried. Which like, just if you want if you want someone to get your full attention, put one of those guys in your mouth. This may be horrifying, but I remember when I was little because we traveled a lot when I was growing up, and we would often, you know, you'd stay in a motel in the middle of nowhere, and we would often stop at Howard Johnson. And I, we would get fried clams at Howard Johnson's. Oh, and I remember that being one of my favorite things. Like, that was such a treat when I was a kid. You had to bring up Howard Johnson's. That's the thing that <laughs> I never went to one. Oh, really? Wow. No, I had fried clams in Baltimore. I had, well, I had you, yes, you did. Oysters, almost no one cooked them. <laughs> they were always <laughs> you know, raw? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was always raw oysters. It was always fried clams. Um, <laughs> and then, honestly, crab fluff. I love I mean, when the, it's the, made well, it's the, delicious. The Spanish version is, is, mm. it, it, of that kind of thing was seafood buñuelos, usually made with cod. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a savory seafood donut, basically, mm-hmm. just really light. You know, not unlike um, what's the stuff from the state fair. You're not talking about funnel cake, are you? I sure am. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> what, what, uh, no, I love funnel cake. It's so it's it's not unlike. I'll let you cut it back in. It's not unlike funnel cake as far as the texture goes. Just light and you That's pull funny. it apart. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, a little ridiculous. But it's also really easy to get, like, just get cute little shapes with. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, sure. and you, you can you can, you can can spear those guys with a little garnish of some sort. You know, and our all-time favorite crab cakes make great little hors d'oeuvres. You can make little baby crab cakes, oh, yeah. and then everybody's, like, super happy. And that's easy, too. You can just, you can either put it on a little toast or you can just, you know, give it to them on a little fork or something, you know, however you're more comfortable serving it. But a little crab cake's a nice I got to say, I mean, that's every time you, if you're watching a football event, you know, the announcer, the first time when they're they're at Raven Stadium, it's like, oh, here we are in the big crab cake. You know, that's (laughs) right. So everyone around the country knows when they're coming to Baltimore. That's the thing. (laughs) So we had visitors this summer from California. What's the first thing we do? Like, I am putting these little fabulous crab cakes in front of you, and they were just the happiest. Like, you want what's of that place, of too. That's kind of, of you course. know, that yeah. when, when you when you travel. So Chilled shrimp, I mean, I think everybody just, you know, lights up when they see cold, you know, you know boiled shrimp on a platter for past hors d'oeuvres. And sauce remoulade, the, the, the traditional, you know, mayonnaise in the South is such a good little accompaniment Ooh, or they, dipping sauce for Give, give remoulade sauce shrimp. real quick. That's an easy... <clears throat> Uh, that that's also a, a really happy thing for like if you're frying a piece of fish or whatever too. It is. It's great for lots yeah. of stuff seafood wise, so. um, or pork. Um, yeah, just mayonnaise. I use. I like to use a, a a creamy whole grain mustard, not a grainy one. A little bit of fresh lemon juice, a little bit of parsley, a little bit of Tabasco. That's it. It's easy. You can put a little sh- shallot in if you want, but it doesn't need to be there. It can no be pickles. Good. Nope. No pickles. <sighs> nope. Not remoulade. Surprise me. That's tartar sauce. Tartar sauce mm. is mayonnaise, cornichon, so lemon juice, parsley, yep, and pepper. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm hungry. Now I'm properly hungry. All of these little treats. Yeah, it's fun. They are fun. We just did an entire thing on celebrations. and was about treats, 
and didn't spend any time on pastry. So I think we're going to have to mm. let's 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 put it on the agenda to get to the okay the pastry end of this. We'll have to bring in a few pastry voices. Okay, sounds good. To talk about that sort of business, but that's all we have time for on Former Wolf on Food and Wine. If you want to listen to this program again or any other one of our others, please go to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a full menu of goodies there for you. To correspond with us via email, it's foremanwolf at WIPR.org. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday.